Welcome to the Progress Texas Happy Hour. Welcome to the Progress Texas Happy Hour. I'm Kathleen Thompson, Progress Texas Executive Director. And I'm back, Sam Gonzalez, Digital Director for Progress Texas. Sam, was sunny Florida all you wanted it to be? I hate it. Oh my gosh, it was so humid and it rained <laughs> randomly. Florida it has a, the weirdest climate, but I did have a good time. Got a good tan. Uh, Disney was fun. And, and uh, yeah, no more Disney for probably the rest of the year. Five, five days is enough. <laughs> Sam, we're glad you're back. And thanks again to Cardall Coleman and Kendall Scudder, who both did great jobs as co-hosts over our last couple of episodes. This week, we're diving into a topic that is both underrepresented in the Texas political conversation and is also one of significant and growing influence in Texas politics. The Asian American and Pacific Islander community is vibrant and growing in Texas, a fact that seems to have attracted the attention of Texas Republican lawmakers who have already taken steps to dilute the influence of this very important group of voters. The AAPI community, just like every demographic group in Texas, has both common concerns with other groups and its own unique characteristics, challenges, and concerns. And we're proud to welcome two SD members of the AAPI community who have dedicated themselves to representation and activism. Texas State Representative Gene Wu is well known to followers of Texas politics. He's represented the 137th District of Texas, covering a big chunk of Southwest Houston for over a decade now. And we're so appreciative of your time as the first special legislative session is underway now. Representative Wu, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Yes, and we're also proud to welcome Lily True, who currently serves as Interim Executive Director of Asian Texans for Justice, a statewide nonprofit dedicated to connecting Asian Texans of all identities to meaningful civic action with the goal of building personal and political power for future generations. Welcome to the show, Lily. Happy to be here. Now, before we get going, Representative Wu, once again, we know you're very busy with a special session going on right now, and so we really appreciate you joining us. Can you briefly give us a glimpse of what's happening at the Capitol right now, and do you expect this to be the only special session that Governor Abbott will call this time? Well, um, there's not much going on right now because, you know, the uh, the Senate, the House, and the governor are in a fight um, among the Republicans right. about what to do about property taxes, which... No one has agreed to uh, what the what, what the actual solution should be. Um, it's something that they probably should have, you know, met before session even started and worked all this stuff out. Um, but here we are. Um, so, you know, the, in, uh, that's all I can say about Republican leadership in this state. Um, I the people who are in the know thinks that we're going to be in special sessions throughout the year. Uh, I think there's a lot of intractable issues that the, the the Republican leadership has created for themselves that the chambers right. don't agree upon and the governor doesn't agree with. And we're going to end up hashing those out um, special session after special session after special session because um, nobody bothered to talk to talk to anybody before they made it a part of their agenda. How easy for is, is it for the governor to call a special session? Because uh, we've had a couple issues that were pressing, in our opinion, you know, gun reform, you know, Valde with everything happening there. How easy is it for a governor to call a special session so that something can get done that's a priority, such as gun violence? Just want to just want to remind people kind of how easy it can happen. Well, legally, it is very, very easy to for the governor to call a special session. He just essentially issues a proclamation and the legislature has to come back and meet. Um that's very different from political willingness 
to call a special session for, well, frankly, for the stuff that actually matters. Because back when we had Hurricane Harvey and, uh, you know, a third of Texas was just devastated uh, by that brutal storm, people up and down the, the Texas coast begged him and begged him to call a special session to help fix problems, to, to spend money and to provide relief immediately. He refused to, but he has a complete willingness to call special sessions on on sense, sort of like nonsense issues like who goes to what bathroom, transgender uh, uh, sports, and and any number of things. Um, and right now he wants to uh, also push vouchers, which is a, a big part of his personal agenda uh, and okay. something that the legislature has rejected time and time again. So it's easy, but he's been very reluctant to call special sessions on things that actually matter to Texans. Right. I just wanted to bring that up before we get into the meat of our topic today. It's just we, we asked for special sessions and it seems like it could be a hard thing. But then you mentioned to me, oh, it's going to go on for the rest of the year. And I'm thinking, well, if we could just do that, there's a lot of things we can get done with a little bit higher priority than some of the nonsense he's trying to push. But KT, I'm going to pass it back to you. That's a great point, Sam, how, how easy it would be if there was a political will. Um, let's talk about what did happen in the regular session. Before we discuss politics more generally, I'd like to ask you both specifically about the discriminatory and anti-immigrant SB 147 legislation that was proposed in the, in the regular session. Representative Wu, you pointed out, quote, less discrimination is still discrimination. After changes were made, the bill ran out of time. It, it wasn't defeated. Um, do you both expect to see it again in, in future sessions? I mean, that's a, one of our biggest concerns right now is that this type of this a divisive discriminatory legislation is going to come back simply because um, the far, far right wing, the ultra MAGAs, the, um, the, the white supremacists, the, the, you know, the xenophobes want this type of legislation because uh, it satisfies their base. And this is, again, legislation that would ban uh, Chinese immigrants, Korean immigrants from purchasing property in the state of Texas. I mean, uh, this is an alien yeah. land law that the same type of alien land law that we passed back in the 1900s when we were actively discriminating against the Chinese and Japanese immigrants who were moving here uh, and all in the guise of national security. And the question is always like, what is somebody buying like a little noodle shop? What is someone buying their first home? What does that have to do yeah. with national security? And there's no answer because it's not actually about national security. Lily, would you like to answer? Yeah, I think what the representative said is completely accurate. I think, um, you know, at the very base of it, the bills in every form, even with the amendments that we saw throughout session, was bad policy. The original bill that was filed was by far the worst. I think it just wasn't well thought out policy. And then even the very last iteration um, was still really poor policy. To, to answer the question, we are very much concerned that this bill will come back. Um, to the representative's point, we're expecting multiple special sessions, which means at any point, the governor can add this back to the agenda. And this concept of less discrimination is still discrimination. You know, I, I think that the thing that is so dangerous about this bill is that while this bill is said to target people of other nationalities, the reality is any average Texan could look at me and not know my citizenship status. You, mm -hmm. you cannot look at me and know whether I was born here, whether I immigrated here, whether I'm here legally, none of that. And when you push rhetoric like the rhetoric that was pushed during SB 147, what happens is you're opening this can of worms that allows for racial profiling, 
that continues to perpetuate xenophobia, that really deepens the anti-Asian sentiment that we've seen over the last three to four years, especially with COVID. And so all you're doing is adding fuel to a fire that lawmakers have not done anything to try to put out. Right. And even from a perspective of like a Chicano Latino, somebody like myself, where the border rhetoric is where our focus tends to be, you tend to see that type of rhetoric on the bill, like, you know, the bill that's presented and you go, oh, well, you know, some people might be like, oh, that makes sense. But no, it's all the same argument. It's all the same. You know, I want to check their papers. I want to make sure they're legal. I want to make sure they're this, they're that, they're this, they're that. When most of us are just born here trying to make a living. And I'm talking about myself, who's third generation, fourth generation, depending on how you look at it. And people could ask me the same thing, you know, if, if this law, laws like this come to pass. So it's all unified. It's all the same argument. So I just want people to kind of recognize that. Yeah, and Sam, I think that's a really good point. And I think another bill that has not gotten probably as much attention as 47 is, is House Bill 20. Um, that was a bill to create a secret police force made up of people who are not licensed police officers, just random militia members uh, right. who would be tasked with going around the state and essentially uh, getting rid of people who don't belong here, Right. And dealing with immigrants, uh, and it's directly it's directed at the Latino population, and you know th this is a this is a bill that proposed creating the secret police force, a police force that not only are not cops, but are completely one hundred percent immune from all civil and criminal liability, meaning they can do anything they want, and they only yeah. report to Governor Abbott. You think about that, um, and their task would just be to deal with immigrants. And who's gonna be targeted as immigrants? It's gonna be anyone who looks a Latino, it's gonna be anyone who looks Asian. Yeah, as, as we talked about at the start, the AAPI community tends to get overshadowed and underrepresented in broader discussions of Texas politics. And to be honest, that's both sides of partisan politics. Representative Wu, do you have thoughts on why this might be? Look, um, some of this is I'm, I'm going to say our own, our community's own fault, right? So uh, our community, the Asian community as a whole, uh, in, in very general terms, has a long time maintained this attitude of like, we're, we're the model minority. Uh, we don't complain and protest and, and yell and scream like other communities. Um, we want to be the good ones. And this is, a, this is sort of a racial stereotype that's been sold to our community members. Even, even my own parents uh, make these kind of statements. And Inherently, what it means ultimately is that our community does not speak up for itself when we have issues, when we have uh, concerns, when we are angry about legislation. We're sort of just told, hey, I thought you guys were the good ones. You guys, you guys never complain. Why are you complaining now? And you know what? Frankly, I'm tired of it. I'm tired of um, being told to do just, just, hey, just work hard and suffer. Um, just work hard and everything will be all right. Well, it's not going to be okay. And we've seen time and time again, when a community is quiet, we don't, we don't get what we want. Uh, we get hounded, we get harassed, we get discriminated against, and it never works out. And some of it is also because the Asian community is relatively small. Uh, a lot of people still are not, are not citizens. A lot of people are citizens, but they don't vote. Those are things we're trying to fix. And as a reminder to all politicians, the Asian community is the fastest growing community in the entire United States. Now, we may not be as big as the Latino community or the African-American community, but we are the fastest growing community by 
very wide margins. Can I actually push back? You know, so Repu, you know, I have so much love and respect for you. I want to push back on that a little bit in the sense that, you know, I think there has been a period in our history where maybe the API community was not as politically involved for a variety of reasons, right? One might be um, like my parents, I think very much prescribed to what Repu was talking about around put your head down, kind of stay out of the mess, just work really hard and try to dig yourself out of poverty and out of, you know, the, the really tough conditions that that a lot of immigrants face. But I do think in more recent year, and I especially think with young people, there's this fire, like people want to get engaged, they want to get involved. And here's the reality. The political system in Texas is not designed to make it easy for AAPIs to get involved. What Rep Wu said is really important. We are the fastest growing racial group in the country. Not just in the country, we are the fastest growing racial group here in Texas. In the 2020 census, we found that the Asian American community grew by 66%. That far exceeds the population growth in Texas. We now have 1.9 million Asian American and Pacific Islanders in Texas. We have the third largest population in the country after California and New York. We have so much influence and power, should we exercise it? But let's look at the system. The vast majority of counties in Texas do not offer voter registration forms in Asian languages. Right. The vast majority of counties in Texas do not allow for voting in Asian languages. Language access is an extremely deep issue for a community that's made up of over 50 different ethnicities. We speak over 100 different languages. We're the most diverse racial group, and the system just isn't designed for us to participate. Right. And, and I'll actually bring up my own experience. Uh, I'm from California, and I'm from the heart of California Central Valley, and there's uh, ballot listings in Chinese, Japanese, Hmong, Korean, Spanish, uh, um, Armenian, like all, all, the, all the languages there. It's a big CVS list of languages and options that honestly should be accessible to everybody because of the such a huge population in California of AAPI communities and just various other communities in general. So um, you actually answered the question that I was going to bring up in terms of what your staff at uh, Asian Texas for Justice were feeling in terms of the youth bringing that energy and bringing that kind of change in um, perspective to the old ways, you could guess you could say. But it is important to note that, you know, no ethnic group is a monolith. And some of the progressive side uh, in Texas have been surprised to discover that there is a significant number of conservative voters among Texas Latinos, for example. I'd like you both to talk about political trends within the AAPI community. Lily, I want you to kind of go first and maybe give some insight into the AAPI community and kind of what's happening within the ranks. I love that you that you asked this question, Sam, because I think a lot of the misconceptions of the Latino community in Texas, a lot of those same ideas are being applied to the Asian American community. We are not a monolith. We don't all feel the same way about all issues. Um, and I think the number one thing I'm going to say before I really dig into it is when you look at polls in Texas, there is no major poll that captures AAPI perspectives. No major mm -hmm. poll. So we, act, we don't have data about how AAPIs in Texas feel politically about issues, about political parties, about candidates, because we're completely not included in the, in the conversation, in the dialogue. Okay, so that's first and foremost, that our politicos, our pollsters are not doing their job capturing this emerging, growing, important population. As a result of that, Asian Texans for Justice last year, we actually conducted our own poll because we said, screw this, we're going we're gonna <laughs> to elevate our own voices. Mm -hmm. um, so we conducted our own poll, and what our poll found is, one, that a APIs are actually highly motivated to vote. 
nearly two thirds of AAPIs in the midterm election said they were excited to go vote. But in that same breath, they also weren't being contacted by candidates. They weren't being contacted by political parties. People weren't knocking on their doors. People weren't calling them. So we're not doing the work to reach out to AAPI voters. They want to vote. I think the other piece is people don't really know politically where AAPI stand. And in our poll, we actually found that there is no political party that has really a claim to the AAPI voter. Approximately 40% of AAPI voters identify as Democrats, another 40% or so um, identify as Republican, and the rest identify as independents. So what that means is that we are a winnable, swayable pocket of voters that no one is trying to win or sway because everyone is jumping to conclusions about who we are, whether or not we vote, what we care about, without doing the due diligence to really learn about who we are as Texans. Lily, you were quoted in a report by the Texas Tribune a while back that many Asian Texans feel ignored not only by their political opponents, but also candidates and elected officials who would have enjoyed their support as voters. Is that what you're talking about, about the poll? You, you said people hadn't heard from people that they wanted to support. Absolutely. I, I, think, I think during campaign seasons, um, people don't look at Asian voters as viable voters or likely voters. And so, we, you know, we're not knocking on their doors. Um, we're not sending them mailers. And even if we are, we're not doing it in a culturally competent way. We're not doing it in the language, right, where that household may speak or understand. So I think that is something at fault. And then I think the other thing that's fault is look at the legislative session. Um, you know, we just came off the 2020 census where we just learned, wow, the API community is growing in all of these really important metroplexes. There were a number of AAPI bills that were filed that our community cared about that we wanted to see passed, and none of them passed, or very few of them passed, I should say. So this, this, this last session, lawmakers had the opportunity to pass meaningful legislation that would have impacted our community, which would have motivated our community to stay engaged. But instead, we spent the vast majority of our time talking about SB 147, this terrible anti-alien land law bill. So instead of actually moving, you know, things forward for us, we spent time de defending our humanity, right? This is not how political parties and this is not how candidates can win over our voters. I think SB 147 is going to motivate more Asian Americans to participate um, in, the, in, in the political process than I think just about anything else. I mean, I, I don't think that Republicans fully understand how angry um, the community was about this legislation. You know, there's nothing quite like existential crisis to make people, to bring perspective to people's minds about why it's important to, to uh, participate. And, you know, like, as a discussion before, earlier, um, you know, I think Lily obviously has, you know, she's a great advocate. And, uh, I mean, her, her presence in this debate and doing this process has just been amazing. But she deals, I think she has more, she's surrounded by more like advocates and, and young people. I have to deal with uh, the old timers uh, <laughs> who basically come to me and say, uh, oh, I'm not going to vote because that's the white people's problem. And I, I, I've had to deal with that wow. since I ran for office the first time. And even during this one, uh, SB 147 debate, when I first contacted uh, like even national groups uh, and, and Asian communities, uh, leaders are around the state, there were still people who were like, well, maybe we should just be nice and just not make a fuss about it and they'll just like go away. And like, are you kidding me? Like, right. 
there's multiple bills filed to like essentially like uh, hammer our community. You 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 still want to be like the model minority about it. You want to be the nice person, and you say like, oh, we if we don't say it'll be fine. And I think a lot of that is changing. Uh, when I go talk to the community of Asian community now, when they, when I talk about 147, I say like, if if there was a single lesson. If there is a single lesson I can help you learn um, from this whole endeavor, it is that your voice actually matters, that your participation actually matters. It, I didn't kill this. I didn't stop this bill. Lily didn't stop this bill. The community stopped this bill by everyone getting involved. Uh, Democrats, Asian Democrats, Asian Republicans, Asian Independents all got together and just said, you know what, we're not okay with this. And if you go forward, we're going to find ways to come punish you. And that, that is what scared people enough to say, okay, okay, maybe we, we're going to hold off on this for now. And I have a question kind of culturally, because like you said, the, it was the white people's problem. Like that was some of the perspectives that they had. Uh, in the Latino community, there's a perspective sometimes from some of us that we're citizens, so we're safe. And so all the laws that are going against immigrants or people that are coming into the country, that's their problem type of thing. Is there a similar thought process in the Asian community as well, where I'm here, I got mine, they got to get theirs, and I got to worry about it? I just don't know. I don't have the idea. Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, there's, I'm going to have people, like, mad at me, but. <laughs> well, I mean, people are going to be mad at me about that comment, but that's true. SB147 affected four, prim uh, four primary countries, right? Like China, uh, Korea, uh, Russia, and Iran, right? Mm -hmm. And. There's a lot of people who said, like, um, we don't care. It doesn't affect us. Um, there are, like, the, the Vietnamese community, for the most part, said, like, we don't have a problem with this. It only affects Chinese people, uh, you know. And, you know, right. and cu culturally, there's been a long, um, like, sort of, like, Cold War between, um, you know, the Chinese community and, and the Vietnamese community. Um, and a lot of this is, like, remnants of old the old world, like, uh, grievances and all this stuff, it's not smart, it's not good, but it's there. And there's a lot of that. And I think, you know, and, like, Lily and I are talking about the Asian community, it, like, unfortunately, in sort of a monolith because it's it's so vast, it's so big, there's so many different cultural issues, so many different ethnic issues, religious issues. Um, I mean, we can spend, like, five or six hours just talking about the various communities and groups. But... It's important to remember that even within, let's say, just the Chinese community, there's a lot of the, there's a lot of diversity. There's 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 mainlanders. There's people who were born here. Um, there's people who Chinese Christians, Chinese Buddhists, uh, Chinese from Hong Kong versus Chinese from from Taiwan. All these different things. They, they all play differently. Have all have different results. The one commonality that I'm glad that everyone figured out was we're all immigrants. Every Asian who's here is an immigrant or a child of an immigrant or a grandchild of an immigrant or something to that extent. And everyone, uh, for the most part, I was grateful that they understood that this bill, that this type of legislation, and it was not just this bill, this type of legislation was not specifically attacking just Chinese, but it was attacking all immigrants from Asia. It was because here's the big thing. Like Lily said, this type of legislation openly encourages public discrimination because you're saying like, well, you can't sell to these people. I mean, not only do the people not know what everyone's citizenship or immigration status is, 
most people, most non-Asian people could not tell the difference between Chinese, Japanese, Koreans, Vietnamese, or any other Asian group. And if you want proof of this, you know, you look at the Odessa incident at the Sam's Club where uh, this crazy guy went and stabbed an Asian family and yelling Chinese, anti-Chinese things at them while he was doing it. The family was Burmese. And yeah. anyone who is in the Asian community would tell you, like, Burmese look nothing like Chinese. No, we would never mistake a Burmese person for Chinese. Right. And but the thing is, to everyone else, what's the difference? You have yellow in yellow skin and slanty eyes. That's good enough for us. Um, so when we fight against legislation like this, even though there's some groups that say, like, eh, you know, we don't really care. It doesn't, it doesn't look like it affects us. This is about all Asians in the community, because when the discrimination comes, when it drives up anti-Asian hatred, when it drives up anti-Asian violence, that hatred and that violence will come for everyone. Here at the halfway point, a quick thank you for listening to the Progress Texas Happy Hour podcast. If you're new, welcome. And if you become a regular listener, extra thanks. And either way, we hope you'll consider becoming a regular supporter of Progress Texas and our mission to bring solid, smart, and strategic progressive messaging to the political conversation here in the Lone Star State. Our June membership drive continues now, and you can sign up to make a monthly donation in any amount you can afford. Every single dollar helps. No donation is too small. So please have a look and join us. Go to ProgressTexas.org and look for the June Member Drive banner. Thanks again for your support. Are there efforts underway to recruit activists with the proper cultural and language skills to outreach to reach the communities in their own specific ways? Lily, I'm going to pass that to you. Yeah, I think to Repu's point, it's so complicated. And I'll actually build on what Repu said about, um, you know, who seemingly was being targeted with SB 147, what that actually looked like. If we're being really honest about it, the people who actually showed up to advocate against SB 147 tended to be older people. Um, I'm going to venture to guess that Repu didn't see a lot of young people in their 20s, you know, going into the Capitol to fight against. Yeah, <laughs> Repu's telling us zero, right? Like zero young people showed up. So there's a generational divide. And, and you know, I don't want to get too deep into the history of it, but I think the historical context is important. You have Asian Americans who live in Texas who have been here maybe 100 years. And then you've got folks like my parents. My parents were Vietnamese refugees who came to Texas in, in, the, in the late 80s. My parents came after the civil rights movement. They don't understand race relations. They don't understand these wealthy Asian people who speak perfect English. They know their experience as refugees, right? And so my parents don't identify as being AAPI. They identify as being Vietnamese American. And to Repu's point, a lot of people from Taiwan, they identify as being Taiwanese American and et cetera. So we know that racial solidarity there's, there's a gap there. And it makes me think about post 9-11. Islamophobia took this country by storm. And Islamophobia continues to persist today in that same attitude post 9-11. And I'm going to be honest, the API community, we did not rally around the Muslim community. The Muslim community was left to fend for themselves. That is an issue within the API community, not because people in the API community are evil or self-interested. It's because we've all come to this country and to the state at different times, in different ways, and for different reasons. And so we don't all lean into this idea of being API, right? The people who tend to lean into the API identity are young people. 
because young people, regardless of whether you're Indian or Chinese or Vietnamese or Japanese, you do experience a similar experience. You go through the public education system together. You go through a lot of similar experiences when it comes to discrimination. Right. And so they lean into this idea of being API much stronger than maybe my parents' generation or even the generation older than that. So our hope is that we can build a pipeline of young people who understand the complexities of what it means to be API. Right. I'm API and I'm the daughter of Vietnamese refugees. I can be both. So I can fight for the Vietnamese refugee community and I can fight for the API community at large because that's the perspective I have. But in order for us to do this work well, What we really need is we need to teach Asian American history in our schools, because if we don't teach this right and Jean Wu, Rep Wu has been a huge advocate of pushing for ethnic studies and Asian American studies. We have to move the needle forward if we're not teaching our history and if we're not teaching the nuances of what it means to be Asian American, we can't dismantle the interracial conflict and the, the racial conflict we have amongst different groups, right, to build that pipeline of activists. Well, can, can I add one quick thing on there? I, I mean, I think that uh, Lily's talking about um, ethnic studies and cultural history. I, I think that's huge because part of what made it so hard to deal with this legislation was that for, for anyone who's outside of the Asian community, they did not understand, and there's a disconnect where they didn't understand why the Asian community was so mad about this, right? Because for the if you're Asian American and a lot of, Largely, like our people in our community, we know the history of the past of what this country has done to us, right? Mm -hmm. We know about the Chinese Exclusion Act of 1882. We talk about it all the time. We know about the alien land laws that were passed in this country uh, in, in the late 18th and early 19th centuries. Um, we know about the, the Japanese internment of World War II and how Asian Japanese American citizens were mistreated mm -hmm. and intentionally discriminated against. We know the murder of Vincent Chen. Right. And that is something that we talk about all the time within our community. But nobody else knows the people on the outside. Like they didn't know what the Chinese Exclusion Act of 1882 was. Right. And we're like, are you kidding me? And if we had more cultural understanding, more history that was taught that included our community, included the things that happened to us, I think everybody would be better and everybody would understand where we were coming from and why we were so angry. Um, and some of this, you know, some of the anger that the, the, the people in our community had wasn't just that people were trying to propose policies that discriminate against us, but we were like, people were offended that you're doing the same stupid thing again. Like we've right. done this like three right. times. Have the respect for us to think of new types of discrimination. Let's talk about um, some of that new discrimination. Can we talk a little bit about redistricting? and gerrymandering. Um, when those topics come up, it's typically in regard to dilution of urban voters or black and brown voters, but there has been an effort to minimize the impact of the AAPI community. Lily, would you weigh in on that? Yeah, absolutely. You know, one of our big focuses in 2021 was around fair maps and redistricting during that, that special session. And because, like I said, the 2020 census showed just how quickly our population was growing. It was really exciting for our community. We were thinking, wow, like, you know, we can really amplify our voices. We're hoping to see more representation in the legislature, right? Because, um, you know, at the time, there were only four AAPI members. All four were in the House. We've never had um, an AAPI member of the Texas Senate. We were really 
really hoping that the results of the census would lead to more representation for our community. And in 2021, instead of seeing that, instead of carving out opportunity districts that represented communities of color, what we saw was that there was the deliberate intent to split API voters in communities where there was the highest amount of growth. Um, So in particular, the Dallas suburbs and the Houston suburbs, right? So when you think about Fort Bend County, I think anyone from Texas knows Fort Bend County is the diverse, the most diverse county in our state, speaks the most languages. You can drive, you know, a mile and drive past a mosque and a temple and a church and, you know, a Pakistani grocery store. And that's what makes that community so special. And so when we sat down to draw maps and our proposed maps deliberately split those counties, that basically told us that they saw us as a threat and they have no intent of allowing AEPI voices to grow. They have no intent in allowing for us to elect people who represent our interests. Um, And I'm actually from Fort Bend County. That's where I grew up. And so the districts that they were splitting was the districts that my parents live in. And so for me, it was highly personal. Um, And it was just, again, reiterating how little regard the legislature has for the fastest growing racial group in our state. Representative Wu, would you speak on that? No, Lily, Lily hit it like right on the head. I mean, this is uh, very intentional discrimination against our community. And largely because, I think this is an important thing to note. One of the reasons why it's now become an issue is um, back before uh, George W. Bush, the Asian American community, by, in fact, by and large, um, supported Republicans. Uh, moderate Republicans. I mean, they were they were Reagan Republicans. The ones who did vote voted like Reagan Republicans. And after George W. Bush, uh, uh, during Obama's time, the the community made a massive flip um, and basically started supporting Democrats. And since that time, Asian communities have basically been thrown into the same lot uh, as as you know as the other troublemakers, uh, Latino and and Black communities. And say, well, we got to make sure that they're taken care of too. And especially, especially after the rise of Donald Trump, Asian Americans are fleeing the Republican Party. The Republicans are not stupid. They see this and they say, like, you know, I will, we'll fix that. We'll fix that. Uh, and that's exactly what they did. They took com- Asian communities that are growing at an, an immense rate, uh, are just starting to get political power, and they said, let's slash them up. I'm a, I'm a witness to the redistricting lawsuit. I've already been uh, deposed. Um, we're hoping that the, um, the the Supreme Court case recently helps us. I'm, you know, I'm not really clear if that only applies to federal uh, federal seats or if it applies to state seats as well. Um, somebody smarter than me has has to tell me that. Um, but we're hoping that the Supreme Court's actions uh, on their redistricting case sends a clear message, and we can fix some of these intentional. Uh, gerrymander intentional discrimination against our community and another thing you brought up about you know them fleeing the republican party since uh, trump and uh, mostly the extremism that's going on on that side of the on that side of the political spectrum you know it's it's important to all texans recognize that racial violence against asian texans has become a serious problem now houston public media has reported that texas is ranked as high as fourth in the nation for hate-based violent incidents against api citizens and the recent mass shooting in allen is suspected to have been focused upon people of color in particular people of asian descent who make up a large
percentage of the population of the area in the Dallas metro. Now, Lily, you also showed up in Texas news reports advocating for that shooting to be formally classified as a hate crime against Asian Texans. What has come of those efforts? Uh, frankly, the same thing we've seen in the past. Nothing. We've seen the state, federal, the, you know, the, the state, state level officials, whether it be the governor, the legislature, the Department of Public Safety, not taking Asian lives and Asian welfare seriously. And here's why I say that. Um, the Allen shooting that got headline news. There was deep coverage of it, right? And and so that's that's why you you heard me in media, you know, naming that this should be labeled as a race related incident. About a year ago, almost to the day, um, in Dallas, so I think this happened in June of 2022, there were shootings in Koreatown in Dallas. And it was targeting businesses. And there were a number of various events um, that occurred. And, and there, there were no fatalities. And so I think there was less media coverage around it. And before the shooter had been apprehended, and before there was even a formal investigation, local law enforcement was very quick to say, oh, this is not racially motivated even though all the incidents happened in Koreatown. And what's shocking to me is how do you know something is not racially motivated before you've even apprehended the shooter? And so there's a habit of this, right? There's a pattern of law, law enforcement, law officials, not taking violent crimes against Asian bodies seriously. And if you go back and look at what happened last year in Dallas, they did finally apprehend the shooter. They did finally investigate and they did finally determine that, you know what, it was a racially motivated crime. This shooter was was targeting Korean businesses on purpose. And so when the same thing happened, not but 12 months later in Allen, Texas, and once again, the DPS was really quick to say, we don't believe this is racially motivated even after national media had reported that the shooter was a neo-Nazi, had white supremacist ideology, they had found evidence that he had posted and said things online, um, in particular against Indian women, South Asian women. And for them to so quickly write this off as not being racially motivated, honestly, it once again denies our, our humanity. And it once again goes to show just how little care the Texas um, law enforcement and those in power actually have for our community. It's not in their interest uh, politically to label things as uh, racially motivated because that would mean that there are people who are racist out there. And they're, they're, I think, you know, Texas leadership, the position is, oh, there's no racism. We solved that when Obama was elected. God. <laughs> so I, I don't see how Allen, Texas was not a racially motivated uh, mass murder. Like, I, 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 you, you want to say, well, it wasn't specifically targeting Asian Americans. I would say uh, that's I, I think that's kind of a little rough to say, but right. I guess that's possible. But to say that a neo-Nazi found the gathering place of a community that is largely that is majority uh, Latino and Asian. Right. And you went to that place and you shot eight people seven of whom were Latino and Asian, I, I, I don't know what else there is to say. You know, like, right. I, I can tell you um, the sky's blue, but I can't make you believe it. Um, so this is, this is the sense of frustration that, that we all have. Um, and uh, my concern is that it's going to get worse. 
because Dude. I think a lot of the recent anti-Asian hatred was uh, was largely started. The catalyst was was COVID, right? And uh, but but I, in but in a more broad sense, this country grows through waves of anti-Asianness uh, about every thirty or forty years, and we have these waves. We see it. I mean, again. Chinese Exclusion Act, Gold Rush, Railroad, and then Chinese Exclusion Act, and then you wait a little more time, then you have um, the then you have um, the alien land laws, then you wait a little more time, then you have um, you know uh, uh, the Japanese internment, then you wait a little more time, then you have you know incidents that happened in the seventies and eighties with Vincent Chen and and all the anti Asian aspects there. Two thousand twenty three, we're here now. We're here at the crest of another wave of anti-Asianism, of anti-immigrant um, uh, feelings. And my concern is, especially with all the laws, laws that are being proposed, is that you already have a population that is on edge, um, a population that's looking for scapegoats. And these types of laws, like 147, like, like there's, uh, there's other bills. Like Tenderholt had a bill that would ban um, Chinese people from going to universities, right, <laughs> period. Those type of things, whether they're passed or not, the fact that they exist sends a very clear message to crazy people, to racists, to bigots, to white supremacists, to neo-Nazis, that the government agrees with you that your concern is valid, that these people are of a danger to this country. When, the, when the, you don't have to pass these bills, simply by these bills existing sends a clear message. And my concern for the community is that message has been received. And if tensions with China increase, if we go into a recession, if any number of things happen that goes wrong for this country and things are getting worse, people always find someone convenient to blame. And it's our, our community's already been set up. Our community's already been set up and it's, we're just waiting for the spark. And with the stakes so high and, you know, I don't want to end this on a dour because there's good work to be done and there is Good work being done by both of you. And I want to thank you both for being on the show. Uh, I'm going to start with you, Lily. Uh, what are some of the projects that Asian Texans for Justice are working on to fight some of this uh, impending, you know, concern in the community? And where can they find you as well to follow up on all the work that you all are doing? Yeah, Sam. So, you know, I, I think we've covered a lot today. Um, so we're, we're trying to find a way to combat a lot of the racism we're seeing that's coming at us from all corners. And like I said earlier, we believe the pathway to doing that is through Asian American studies and having curriculum in our public schools that's accessible to everyone for folks to learn about who Asian Americans and Texans in Texas actually are. And so one of the things we're doing is we're actually piloting our very first high school elective course this fall um, in Round Rock ISD in, here in North Austin. So we're really excited. It's a two semester course. It's building off the great work and momentum that Mexican American Studies and African American Studies did several years back. Both courses are approved by the State Board of Education. Um, so we're really excited to pilot this Asian American Studies course. And if successful, we're hoping this course can be rolled out to all schools across the state to combat a lot of the misconceptions. And then the second thing I'll say that we're doing, um, you know, we just we just talked a lot about how Asian people are fearful for their life. They're feeling attacked. They're feeling like law enforcement and their elected officials aren't protecting them. One of the things we're concerned about is about the prevalence of guns in the API community. Um, and the reason why I say that is because anti-Asian hate doesn't just look, look one way. Anti-Asian hate could be vandalism in your business. 
It could be a kid being bullied in school. It could be your property being vandalized, you know, just your car, whatever it might be, right? Your personal welfare. And the reality is that because of the way law enforcement has treated the Asian American community, APIs don't feel safe. And we have seen now that um, the gun lobby, gun manufacturers are now targeting the AEPI community now to say, oh, you want to combat anti-Asian hate? You don't feel safe? Buy a gun. Now, we respect the Second Amendment. We respect people's decision to purchase a gun to protect their own safety. But what we don't need is for an entire population of people who've never engaged with guns, who don't know how to use guns, to buy guns out of fear. That does not create a safer community. It does not create a better community for all. So we're right now working really hard on how do we work with all of the other gun safety advocates to better inform our community because we know we're not doing it in languages our community understands. So that'll also be a big focus for us in the coming months. And where can they find you online to follow up with some of this work? Absolutely, yeah. To learn about our work, you can find us at AsianTexansForJustice.org. Excellent. And uh, Representative Wu, what are you doing on your end to combat some of this, you know, fear and, and misrepresentation and underrepresentation? Well, I mean, I think my biggest role is to rally the community. Uh, I, I think a lot of this stuff happens because because we're too quiet about it, because we're we're not in uh, in people's faces about it. And, you know, we have so many. Uh, I mean, I just got another email that I, I just saw that people like people are asking the Asian community for money. And politicians come raise money from us all the time. And then when we say, hey, our community is really upset about this type of legislation or we're, we're really concerned about X, Y, and Z, they're nowhere to be found. And we need to start holding people accountable and say, like, look, if you're going to take our money, then you better respond to us. And we need our people to, to be angrier, to be more public in their in, in – their, um, um, in their in their anger and i think if i do nothing else as a leader in the community i hope i can get people to value their own power to value their own voice uh and to value what they can accomplish simply by by engaging and it, it if nothing else if i that's all i accomplish in my community in in my tenure in my political life um I'll see that as a job well done. If I can get the community, Asian community to be, to be out, uh, to be loud, uh, and, and to engage. I think that's, a, that's such a great point. Um, Representative, I know you, you're a parent. I'm, I'm a parent, and I have small children, and I have seven older children. And I have to tell my kids, you got to stick up for yourself. If somebody's bothering you, um, putting your head down and walking away and um, is not going to stop it you got to stand up for yourself and what you're saying is collectively we got to stand up for ourselves and um, make it stop because um, acting like it's not happening it, it's going to get worse i'm following gene for texas the, the username is gene for texas on twitter and you should be following representative Wu as well thank you representative Wu and interim executive director of asian texans for justice willie true Thanks to Digital Director Sam Gonzalez and listeners, thank you. Head on over to ProgressTexas.org and subscribe to our email list. Keep us accessible with a donation of any amount and don't forget to follow us on socials. Please subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app and leave us a review. Catch y'all next week. Bye. Bye, everybody. 
Progress Texas Happy Hour is a production of Progress Texas, a rapid response media organization promoting progressive messages and actions. Find us online at progresstexas.org and on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. The podcast is produced by me, Chris Mosier, and our featured music is by Walker Lukens. Please be sure and subscribe to the Progress Texas Happy Hour on the podcast platform of your choice. Take a moment to leave us a review if you've enjoyed the show, and be sure and tell your friends about us. Thanks for listening and for all you do to press progress forward here in the Lone Star State. We'll see you again next week.